Hello, my name is Grace Walker and welcome to the Great Design Lead podcast. I'm an independent designer and Webflow developer working to build beautiful and functional experiences for the web. Perfect intro. Cruising. <laughs> right <laughs> off the bat, just hitting it. <laughs> I've been I've been so excited to do an episode with you. Me too. For like so many different reasons. I've heard about you from other people, which is kind of cool. And uh, one time I was like, um, one, one of my friends was, was trying to give me a compliment. And she said, like, I believe in you so much. You're going to be like a Grace Walker. <laughs> and I have. Kidding. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> that's so sweet. Like, wow, I can't believe that happened. But that's so sweet. <laughs> That was her her way of saying that like you're gonna do a really great job. She she used Aww. you as like like an adjective. <laughs> oh my goodness, what a compliment! But also uh, that makes me just like a little bit self conscious. But that's very fun. And I listened to like Keith's episode where he was chatting about meeting me and Melissa. And, like that was so fun. And like um, yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride <laughs> being more public on the internet. I um so so sometimes I do like like the traditional way of starting episodes and I I go into like the the way I kind of do a lot of episodes but I was doing some research on your school and I thought it was it was the, the college that you went to and I yeah. thought it was really funny because I was watching all these interviews with people that that went to the school and uh for some reason they they really aggressively said in the the advice that they would give to their their former self they said um don't eat at the grange and i really wanted oh my to gosh. <laughs> ask you about that just because it's at the top of my mind and they were they're like it was all of these people they were interviewing like 2019 which is probably while you were there and uh, yeah. i just thought that that was really funny that is so funny. Also, can I just say how much I love like listening to your past episodes and all of the research that you do into people and like pulling out these tidbits. I just think it's like fascinating and I love it so much. Um, but that's so funny that you uh, watched interviews with people talking about the Grange. I graduated from OCAD in 2016, I think. Um, time is a blur. But the Grange was or is, I guess, I haven't been to Toronto since I graduated, but it was this... Um, kind of like indoor food court that was at the bottom of an apartment complex, which also was a building where there was like secondary classrooms for OCAD. And so the Grange was like this weird amalgamation of like, it wasn't like a typical food court that you would see in a mall with um, like chain fast food restaurants. There was a McDonald's, but that was like the only fast food, like typical fast food. The rest of it was these independent vendors um, there was like a Chinese restaurant and like this kind of like Russian Eastern European restaurant and like the sandwich place and like a bubble tea and like it was very interesting. Um, I got a lot of like egg salad sandwiches <laughs> in the Grange from like a sandwich shop. I would get pierogies sometimes like it was just like a weird amalgamation of food that was available. Um, it wasn't bad. It's like a grungy little food court but <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was like, it was food to have. So yeah, interesting. <laughs> it, it was weird. Like uh, they, this guy went up to all of these people throughout um, 
uh, the uh, Ontario College of Art and Design. Um, yeah. And they were, he was asking like, what was the advice that you would give to your, your former self? And a lot of them said, don't eat at the Grange. Uh, he, he said like, I had absolutely no idea like how much work was going to go into my major. And I really hadn't done a- enough research and I just would have prepared myself a little bit more for the the crazy number of hours, like 10 hours per assignment, like all of this, this crazy stuff. Was that your experience too? And we'll, we'll backtrack into your backstory, but I was just really <laughs> curious about OCAD. Yeah, no, definitely. OCAD was a lot of work, um, but I think my experience was a lot different than a lot of my peers. Like, and I noticed it kind of immediately. Um, when I was in high school, my art class was very demanding. I was in like Mm. partial IB courses for other subjects like history and chemistry. And so like in high school, I had like a very demanding workload. Um, and so I took a gap year and then I went to university. Um, and by the time I got to university, like I had worked very hard in high school. I had also taken time away from school to like, just be an 18 year old <laughs> in the in the world which was like very helpful for feeling calm and ready to work and so like I viewed university as a time where like that was my purpose was to work hard and I was used to working hard and so like I would often put in a lot of work on my assignments and be very excited about them because like I knew that this is what I wanted to do And I saw a lot of friends who were really struggling with the workload and the demand and um, just generally like how sometimes brutally honest professors could be about their work. And it was just like a very high stress environment, like that kind of changed throughout. Um, I had a really, really wonderful professor in third year who basically told me, Um, like none of this matters (laughs) no one like once you graduate no one is going to care what you did in school beyond like Mm. your first job to get your portfolio so if someone's giving you an assignment that you truly don't want to do just do something else and do something that you want to do that you're proud of um, because truly no one cares Um, and that might seem a little bit like nihilist but it was (laughs) very freeing to hear someone who like had a very successful creative career basically tell me like you're never going to get an opportunity to do what you want like pretty much ever again so Mm. do what you want now because you can and that was helpful but I cried a lot in university like everybody did (laughs) (laughs) I I have you ever um cried during like a like a exam or anything like that while you were in school because that was uh, some of my experience (laughs) man I don't know if I've ever cried during an exam um I've probably cried after presentations I don't know that Mm. I've ever cried like during a presentation a lot of (laughs) a lot of like my university exams and, and stuff like that like the creative courses there were no exams typically so it would just be like a final presentation and I can't remember any specifically, but I remember like a lot of high stress tears. <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, this wasn't an exam, but my interview to get into OCAD, I cried immediately after, like before I even left the building. It was horrible. really, I felt so bad. Um, what happened? I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago. <laughs> um, so I, I'm from Calgary. I'm not from Toronto. OCAD U is in Toronto, um, for those who aren't familiar. And so I had 
been very excited to go to OCAD. I really, like I, like I said, I took a gap year. I like decided that this was where I wanted to go. I was very determined to go there. And so I actually flew there for my portfolio interview. I had all my little like work samples and everything was very organized. Like I'm a, I'm a keener 110%. And so this was like me being keen on steroids. Like I was so into it. And so I show up for this interview and my interview, they sit you in a room. So you're like in a big waiting area in the design school. Um, And then they call you into the room that you're going to have your interview in. And um, I was waiting in this room and I was like watching the other interviews happen while the professors were like on their way to me. And I was the last interview before lunch, before like these uh, instructors got to take a lunch break. And so by the time they got to me, I think that they were over it. (laughs) They were like, I'm hungry. I want to go take a break. Like I'm done talking to 18 year olds. Like this is Uh not like, I don't like this. Um, And so by the time they got to me, I presented my work. I did as best as I could, but they really just kind of like brushed it through. They didn't ask me any questions. They didn't ask me to explain anything. And I was like, this very keen 18 year old and so to have someone like I was so interested and invested in this and to have them like be so disinterested in what I was talking about and then immediately after they just said thank you and then left and I'm sure that that was like the normal experience but that was not what I had in my mind of like my interview to get into art school and I look back on it now and like it probably wasn't like it definitely wasn't that big of a deal, but I had just worked it up in my mind to be. Uh, And so like before I left the building, I was just like in tears, like did not know if it went well. I was like questioning everything. I called my mom (laughs) and then I went to the art gallery of Ontario, which is like directly next door. It's this beautiful building, like really wonderful art gallery. And I just wandered around all afternoon and contemplated my future. was a little bit traumatic, but I got in, so <laughs> it was fine. What did you say to your mom when you called her? Do you remember? Oh gosh, I don't know what I said to her. I was probably just worried that it didn't go well. I probably like recounted the situation. I call my mom regularly crying, so um, <laughs> <laughs> even like as a full fledged adult, um, so. I feel like that's kind of normal, but my mother is wonderful and she's like incredibly level-headed and like very, very practical. And so I imagine she would have said something like, you know, I'm sure that it's fine. Like you did your best. It's okay, et cetera. So it worked out. <laughs> oh my gosh. How, how long is that flight to get there? Um, it's four hours, like three and a half or four hours. Um, so I ended up doing that flight quite a bit because I did get into that school, but I came back to Calgary pretty regularly through that time. Um, and yeah, it was just like really fortunate to like have the opportunity to like go out of province for school and have this experience in Toronto. And yeah, it was really wonderful after the interview. <laughs> so, so after that, that interview, um, you, you went home, like, did you think that you were going to get in? What was your thought process after that? If you didn't think it went that well? Yeah, I had applied to um, the art college that was in Calgary, the Alberta College of Art and Design. And so 
I knew that I was probably going to get in there. I can't remember if at that time I had already been accepted to ACAD or if I was like in the process of it, but um, I knew like I had another school that I was applying to. I had already been accepted to another program at Ryerson University, which is now Toronto Metropolitan University um, for something called like graphic communications management, mm. I think was what it was called. And so it was a program that was more so focused on print management and like print processes and, and things like that. And I had applied to that program while I was still in high school and um, deferred my acceptance. So I knew like back pocket, I was like, I've got some options, but like, I really want this one. <laughs> um, and so it wasn't like, a, like I'm always stressed out. And so I imagine I was stressed out at that time and just like anxious about what um, the outcome was going to be, but I knew that I had a backup plan. So it was okay. Did you get an email or like, how, how was that whole like moment for you when you found that you were getting in and you, you like made the decision to go? Yeah, I, I like truly can't remember exactly when I got that or, or what it was. Um, but I was probably just really excited. I do remember um, the process of like applying to Ontario universities was all through this portal online that looked like it was built in 1995. Um, like the really? UI of it was just like, it was so old and like confusing and you had to upload all of your documents. And when you did get an acceptance, it was like through this portal and you had to log in and it like was kind of confusing. It wasn't like a like I, I see in movies of like American college acceptance letters and they get this like big envelope. I remember watching Gilmore Girls and Rory Gilmore got her like big envelope. And, and so it wasn't that experience where like you get something in the mail and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm accepted. This is wonderful. It was like a probably like automated message on a very ugly website <laughs> that offered me uh, acceptance into, into my program. Wow. I I know that, um, at least for me, the it's funny the way that uh, OCAD is put together because when I was um, looking at schools, uh, I was really into uh, SCAD, which is the Savannah College of Art and Design. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, it's kind of funny how it's like put together similarly and sounds similar. Um, but I remember when I, when I was looking at schools, I was a little unsure if I wanted to go to a school that had a focus on art and design because I was a little unsure if I wanted to change my major, like where do I go and things like that. But I think it's really interesting that you went there because I can tell that you were sure from a very young age that this is what you wanted to do if you were committing to the school. Is that how you felt when you were 18, 19? Like how, how did that thought process come to be? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that any 18 year old or 19 year old truly like has a full grasp of what they want to do. Like, I think it's a little bit absurd to ask this, like not fully formed human, like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Like, that's really overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but I did know that I loved art. I really loved design. Um, I think I was probably like 16 when I first kind of figured out that like, hey, graphic design is a career and I can do that. And so when I, like, when it was time to apply to post-secondary, I think that I, I applied to, like, just graphic design programs or, like, that one I mentioned, it was, like, tangential to 
graphic design. And so I think I, yeah, I really knew that that's what I wanted to do. Although I do think that I um, mistakenly had wanted to apply for advertising at OCAD because there was an advertising program. There was a graphic design program. Um, like within the design school, there was like a number of other things like industrial design, environmental, um, other kind of disciplines. And I remember thinking when I got my acceptance to the graphic design program, like, oh, I thought I applied for advertising. (laughs) Um, And it was just so strange, but yeah, like I did, I did want to do visual communication. And so, um, like at OCAD, the options were advertising or graphic design or illustration. There was an illustration program as well. But at ACAD, the college in the city in where I live now, um, it was just visual communications. Like everyone took the first year same courses, whether you were going to go into advertising, graphic design, or illustration. Like the first year was the same foundational year for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you picked your kind of discipline versus OCAD. Graphic design was like year one foundational year, but it was very different than illustration um, or everything else. Uh, the the funny question um, I like to ask is when you look back, like even, even further back kind of before you knew what a, a job was or a career or <laughs> how expensive the things in life are or rent or anything, um, when how far can you go back in your mind of um what you wanted to be when you grew up do you do you have a far memory when it comes to that I remember some like weird tidbits of things that I wanted to do I have like a grade one memory yearbook like they do that when you're in elementary school they ask you like what do you want to be when you grow up and I remember my mom was so embarrassed by this answer, but I, in grade one, as like a little six-year-old Grace said, I want to be a dentist so I can fix my mom's teeth. And like looking (laughs) as an adult now, like how embarrassing is that? (laughs) Like my mom has beautiful teeth. Like her teeth are like 100% straight. It was not an intention of a six-year-old to say like my mom had like needs dental work. It was more so like (laughs) I had a great dentist and like I liked going to the dentist as a kid. And so I like thought that was a cool job and like everyone just needs their teeth (laughs) fixed and like worked on. So like um I love my mom so much. She has wonderful, she has a wonderful smile. Um (laughs) but like that was so funny and I think that's like number one what I think of when I think of like what I wanted to be as a little kid. I remember wanting to be like a model as probably a lot of little girls do. Um, But when I knew that I wanted to be a designer is like a very specific moment in story, Mm. um, which I would love to tell you. Sure, (laughs) sure, go for it. Yeah, when I was, um, so like I had always been into art um, and design and like just loved beautiful things like packaging and magazines like I collected a lot of like visual things I was like a teenager at the peak of Tumblr and so I was like a preteen and teenager like just like enthralled in the internet and I would spend so much time like I remember summertime it being beautiful outside and I would just like be in my room (laughs) (laughs) on Tumblr like looking at beautiful pictures and, and things like that and so like I knew that I loved visual things and it like what the moment kind of where it really physical things did you collect like I would like 
tear apart magazines. Like I would get like interview magazine and like fashion magazines and architecture magazines, like cut out pictures. And I had this like big um, strip of paper on my wall as a teenager. And I would like paste things and like stuff like that. So I just like loved collecting things, which is like very different from how I am now. Um, (laughs) um, But I remember when I was 16, we had a university fair come to our school and I went to the University of Toronto booth and they had a guidebook, like a magazine that like was promoing their university. And I did not want to go to the University of Toronto, but their guidebook was so incredibly beautiful. And Mm -hmm. I just remember getting this guidebook and I just like tore through it so many times. And I actually like put the entire thing in like a reference sketchbook. And I was like, I want to do this. And that was like, this, I think about that now is kind of the big moment for me where I realized that someone made this thing. They made this beautiful magazine. They communicated all this information. That's someone's job. And like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and it was like, it was just such a clear moment having this book in hand where I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like, I want to do this. Do you, this is like looking way back um, but do you remember what kind of conversations you had with people while you were trying to share this book that you got from school? Yeah, I remember talking to my parents about it and showing my mom and saying how much I love this thing and how beautiful it was. And she said, you know, there's probably a credit in there somewhere. Like, why don't you look for who designed it? And like investigate that a little bit more and so I did I found the company and I remember like looking at it online um but I think some other like I told my art teacher about it and she was thrilled and she was like yes Grace like graphic design is a thing you can totally do this like how wonderful (laughs) um but I think probably my friends that I told they were like okay whatever like (laughs) like are you going to go to U of T or like what why are you talking about this like University of Toronto guidebook all the time (laughs) Um, but I did have like a lot of encouragement. I think like my mom telling me to like, go investigate that further. Like who designed that? Can you send them an email and tell them, tell them like how much you love that thing? Um, so that was like really wonderful. I think cause like encouragement to, to say like, yeah, this is a career. Like people do that. I, I remember, um, uh, first learning about what graphic design was, uh, it was, I was super into like the TED talks um, that people would do. And then I wanted to just find more podcasts out there. And then I found the Debbie Millman podcast. And that's where I started hearing about all these designers. But it wasn't really because I wanted to be a designer at age 13 or something like that. It's just like, I really like these stories. And I thought she was really good at telling stories. And and when I was listening to... um, Michael Beirut talk about his first experience of like learning what a logo was and and that there could be cleverness of like using letters to represent um, different objects and how you could take the the word and make the word look like the object that it's it's representing. Um, I thought that that was just like the coolest thing and and then I saw start saw the the FedEx logo and then the arrow between yeah. the e and the X. <laughs> And I, the, the truck came up to, to my house and uh, I went up to it while my sisters and I were playing basketball outside and I 
pointed to it on the truck. I was like, there it is. I was like so excited about it. And my sisters were like so embarrassed. <laughs> You're like, why is she obsessed with the FedEx truck? That's so sweet. Yeah, I feel like I probably I, I had a lot of similar experiences just like seeing things out in the world. And I was like obsessed with like the lettering on a train or like really loved this this like coffee cup that had like beautiful lettering on it and type and um it's funny when you're little how you like gravitate towards those things and like you see it and you're like so excited about it (laughs) I I wanted to bring up this this thing that you mentioned about like collecting things and uh uh like just going out and finding things and then then having these different collections whether it's print whether it's uh just anything I was really curious about the transition for you between that grace and then minimalist grace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny looking back on me as a child and as a teenager and I just like loved collecting things like I had this, like I told you, like this big paper on my wall that I would just stick everything to any kind of like even when I was really little um we would like we took a few um family holidays to Orlando Florida and so we would go to like Disney World and Sea World and like all the touristy things and I would collect all of the like pamphlets from those attractions and so I would like have all these like physical things like I just loved any place that I went, if they had something that was physical, that was like a printed thing, I would take it and I would put it in a drawer and collect all of these little things. And I just, I loved it. Um, my parents took me to London when I was in grade 12, um, at like the last spring break that I had in high school. And they took me to London and we went to all these museums. And I remember going to the design museum um, and I just like was in love and like, I can't tell you the amount of things that I <laughs> collected from that trip, just like little pieces of print. And like, we went to Liberty and I bought like a little tiny things so I could get like the Liberty bag. And like, I just, I loved it. And so like growing up, I had all of this stuff, like just like little print pieces. And I would just like, it was exploding everywhere. I loved books. I would buy like coffee table books at like uh, wholesale book sales for really cheap and like cut them up and just have them it was like that was who I was as a teenager <laughs> so I'm guessing you probably had like shoe boxes and and collections of all of these these things that you experienced what happened to them <laughs> Yeah, so that transition, I think your original question was like, how did you go from this kid who loved to collect everything to this person now who's like very minimal? Um, And I think part of that was like functionally, when I went to university, I was moving halfway across the country, or pretty much all the way across the country. And every summer, I would come back to Calgary, um, and work and like, be with my family and all of that. And so out of kind of necessity when I was in Toronto, I would try not to accumulate a lot of stuff because I knew that like I was going to have to move it into a little storage unit for the summertime. And that was going to be difficult if I had a lot of things. So like functionally, like when I started school, I like intentionally stopped doing that just because like it's really hard <laughs> to have yeah. all that stuff. 
Um, but kind of the larger transition came when I met my partner, um, who is very minimal, does not have a lot of stuff. Um, and so like being at his house or his condo where, which like we eventually lived in together, seeing how few things he had and like how wonderful that felt to like go into a space and have it be really clean and like not have clutter around was really influential on me. And so I slowly from that point started to be like, you know, I, there's so many beautiful things out there and it's, it's enough for me to see them and to touch them and to appreciate them, maybe take a photo of them, but I don't need to actually physically have that thing to have that enjoyment. Cause a lot of times I would like buy these books or like collect these little objects and then I would never look at them again. And it was that like initial joy of like, wow, this thing is so beautiful. I need to have it. And then that kind of mind switch over time to, wow, that thing is so beautiful. I'm so glad that I saw that, but I don't need to like own it or keep it or store it. <laughs> mm. I I remember you saying something about um, uh, being very, uh, very keen, being very um, at, at points, uh, stressed when when you were younger was there any benefit that you got from going to from i don't need all of these things i don't need to manage all of these things to um i can enjoy it at the time but i don't need to carry these things with me what is is there anything there that that you feel when i'm talking about it oh definitely yeah i think there's a lot of mental clarity that I've experienced of like having a very clean environment and not having visual clutter and physical clutter around me. Um, it, it made a lot more sense once I sort of working as a designer and all day I'm looking at a screen and I'm going through color and photos and references and like all of this visual noise is what it kind of turns into by the end of the day. And that's a really wonderful thing to experience. But then when I'm at home, I want to be in an environment that is just like void of all of that so that I have mm -hmm. time to rest my mind and my eyes and everything so that it feels like a restful space because what I do for work is like so incredibly diverse <laughs> and like noisy like it's like finding references and pulling things together and creating different looks and feels and like it just feels right at the end of the day to like shut that off and be in a space that feels like very calm and is too calm for most people like I get comments all the time of like how can you live in a space with nothing in it um <laughs> my old boss would make fun of me because like we went into a coffee shop and there was a gallery wall of like different photos and like album covers and, and things like that. And she looked at it and she was like, you would hate to have that in your house, wouldn't you? And I was like, looking at that and thinking about, about having that in my house is it's incredibly overwhelming. I would hate that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's like, it's become this like mental clarity thing versus when I was a teenager, like that, like that was the noise. Like I loved the noise and I still love it, but it's my job now and it's not like my all the time, which I think would be really overwhelming for me. Does, um, I feel like having a home like that and, and having a home in which, um, it's, it's very, uh, 
the style is very minimal. Um, you don't have a lot of, of noise or something that indicates like a certain um, uh, point in your life. Like it, like I, there are a lot of points where uh, kids that I knew growing up would paint their, their rooms green um, mm -hmm. in like the early 2000s. And uh, it was kind of funny um, because it kind of like marked a certain point in their life. But when you have something that's more timeless, I feel like um, your home kind of moves with you. Like, what do you think when, when I'm talking about that? Like the fact that you're not stuck in a certain decade or anything like that? Yeah, I really love that thought. And my partner and I were talking about this the other week because um, when we moved into the house that we have right now, it had not been renovated in a very long time. It was built in 1968. There was like carpet everywhere. It was very brown. And now we live in a space that's like really beautiful and minimal and we really love. Um, and we were talking about that in the sense that the things in our house and our home don't make it what it is. We experience our home based on the light and our experiences and our mood. And so the feeling of our house changes based on like the activities that we're doing and like the weather outside, I find like penetrates into our living room because if it's dark and moody, like that's how the house feels. If it's beautiful and sunny, like that's how the house feels. And so it's, I think it just allows a lot more room um, for our life to shine and for us to experience the things that are going on, the emotions that we're feeling, the weather, the mood, <laughs> like all of that is like what we experience versus the things in our home. Um, and I know that's really alienating for some people and like they want to have, and I feel like people, like I said, like they tell me that all the time. They um, like, I don't have family photos in my house and I love my family so mm -hmm. much. Um, but I just don't want to have things up. Mm. Um, because I like that kind of like void environment, <laughs> but a lot of people see that and they think, oh my gosh, you must be so cold. Like, why don't you have any family photos or any art or any plants? People and actually just say this I like it. <laughs> yeah. There's been, like a few comments on Twitter of people telling me that I need plants or I need more art or like my parents come over and they, they don't like how void our house is of any kind of emotional object. Um, like, I think a lot of people would not want to live in the environment that we have, but we just love it so much. And I don't think I'd want to live anywhere else. So there are like real people <laughs> that like DM you. They don't DM me, this but like when I, whenever I put and like, it's totally fine. Like, um, when I, whenever I post like a picture of, the interior of my home oftentimes there will be a comment that says um like you need some plants and I like that's fine people can they want. Um, <laughs> um, I think about it like um there's this Instagram account that I've been following for years um this woman named Kristen who has a professional organizing business mm. like a professional home organizing business it's minimum organizing on Instagram and her house is just beautiful. It's for sale right now in Virginia. <laughs> it's of course just like you would know that. <laughs> um, but she had um, like a very in-depth home tour on apartment therapy. 
and I loved it. And I like, I was scrolling through it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. I just want to see more of it. And I went to the comments section and people were just saying horrible things about it. Like, this is so cold. How could anyone live like this? She needs to have more photos. Like, just like really awful things. And I think it um, really brought home to me the fact that like people can enjoy whatever they enjoy and it doesn't make it bad or wrong. Someone else's house and, and aesthetic and um, interior design is is so beautiful, but it's okay that it's not for me. Mm. Um, and it's okay that someone else wouldn't want to live in my house. Like that's the beauty. <laughs> that's like the beauty of being an adult and crafting crafting your home and your life is that you get to pick what you love. And just because someone else doesn't love it doesn't mean it's not good. Um, and something that I love, other people can hate. And it's just like, we're all, we're all living in a different experience and we like different things. And um, it's just, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I have, I, I'd be, uh, uh, I would regret to not talk about this, but there have been a couple of times where I DM'd you with pictures of, of like <laughs> random architecture moments with sunlight. And I was just like, Hey, I'm you. I love it. <laughs> I love that. Like, that's what I live for. If you looked at my camera roll on my phone, like probably half the photos I take are just of like weird little light snippets. Like that I see, like, I love that. That's like what I live for. So like, there are definitely times where, um, I'm like going through a rough time or something like that. And I, I kind of, I don't know. I don't know if the word is like withdraw or something like that, but I kind of get to a point where I'm like, Hey, I can only like, like manage so much. Like I, I can't, for some reason I like can't manage clothes that are like super busy or like have a lot going on. Like I, I love Uniqlo. I don't know if you've ever been to Uniqlo. Yeah. Yeah. Love Same. Uniqlo. <laughs> Yeah, love it. <laughs> I was there at 12 p.m. today. <laughs> if and there was one here, I would go there frequently. So I love that. We've got we've got one in uh, Philly and New York and San Francisco, I think. Um, so I live in Philly, so it's very nice. Um, but but yeah, there's like minimalism in terms of like. I can only like manage a certain number of close friends in person. Otherwise it mm -hmm. just gets too much or it. And I start thinking about like, why do I, I feel this way? And I think it's just a mix of kind of like making decisions for yourself ahead of time. So you don't have to constantly be making decisions all the time. And also a little bit of like managing expectations. So like when it comes to the, the friends thing, I'm like, okay, like I can, really be there for this number of people um i can be acquaintance with with millions or like thousands of people not millions um <laughs> but um but like i i know i can be there for this many people so that i'm gonna manage the expectation when, when it comes to that have you ever connected like the making decisions for yourself ahead of time um have you ever connected that to like relationships that you've had with with people the whole like definitely. managing expectations yeah definitely and I think you put that really eloquently that um it's like there's only so much energy that you have to give to the world and to put into friendships and if you have 
fewer of those like close people in your life, it's easier to be fully present for them. And I think that a lot of like a lot of I think what people see about minimalism, and I don't even like, like calling myself a minimalist, because there's so many like preconceived notions about that. But I think there's a lot of themes that like, I don't want to bring something into my home that I don't absolutely love and haven't thought through because I know at some point in time, I'm going to have to let that thing go. And that's mm-hmm. going to take energy at some point in the future. And so it's kind of like what you were talking about, like making decisions for yourself ahead of time. And so like physical objects, yes, but relationships, 100%. Um, I think that comes into work, that comes into life. Like I have very few close friends and I think for that reason, because I get overwhelmed a by <laughs> by lots of people, um, and talking to lots of people, being in big groups. Like I am not a party person. I go to events because I want to meet other professionals who are doing the same thing as me. But like I find events very overwhelming, and so I think like that close friend relationship. It's like making a choice to um, not control, but um, craft your relationships with people in real life in a way that reflects your values in all things. So like, I'm not going to bring something into my house that is going to require energy in the future to let go of. Um, Mm -hmm. I want something that's really beautiful. I'm going to add to my life. And it's the same thing with friendships. I'm so lucky that like the few close friends that I have are just like really, really wonderful. And I'm so lucky to have really great people in my life, but it's like, I can pour myself into um, a few close friendships. And I know that I can't do that across the board. <laughs> and it like relates to that whole idea of like, you only have so much energy to give the world and you need to be careful where you're spending it because if you spend it all the time everywhere, you're going to burn out. <laughs> and I experience that oftentimes with work and like knowing your limit and finding that limit. But yeah, I think it like it comes into personal relationships, your life, physical objects, work, how you approach everything. Um, yeah. Sometimes I get so invested in what somebody's saying, I don't generate <laughs> questions in the back of my mind. So that's how you know yeah. that I'm like really listening to you. <laughs> yeah. But, I, I just um, I really loved that thought that you had about like that playing into your relationships as well. Because I think that's so important. Why is that important to you? Um, I think that the the more things that you are passionately focused on, the deeper that you can go into that thing. So whether that is um, a relationship with someone that you don't have noise around you of other like friendships and and, and things that are um, not on like a deep level, like that's okay too. Like everybody has acquaintances, like that's a wonderful way to connect with people. But I think um, having fewer connections that are deep allows you to really invest in them and like have really strong bonds. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like that's just been my experience. I'm also someone who like doesn't like (laughs) to to, like go to parties and stuff like that. Like that's just who I am. I think uh, partly as a person, but um, yeah. I was actually having a conversation with my boyfriend like two days ago uh, about this like same topic. Um, We were talking about the difference 
that people so we were having a difference between um like for me i rather be alone than be with people that don't make me happy just for the sake of not being alone mm-hmm. and his response to that was um uh he said well i rather hang out with somebody that i don't like 100 percent because i'd rather be hanging out with people than being by myself and it was interesting (laughs) like the two ways of of going about it and we were talking about um like like some people's like need for attention rather than um looking at is this person good for me and things like that um have you ever had conversations with people about that of i'm guessing you rather like just stay at home and have a relaxed night in than (laughs) going somewhere to like prove yourself to someone that like, hey, I have an X number of friends, I am therefore relevant. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like I am, I am much more like you and what you described as I would so much rather be alone than do pretty much anything. Um, <laughs> like, I like working alone. I like being home. Um, I have a really wonderful partner who also likes being alone. And so when we're together, it like feels like we're still alone. (laughs) It's just like, it's not, it's not a, like, we're not very social people, the both of us. And individually, we're not very social people, Um, which is so funny because I'm very social online. But in real life, I feel like I spend a lot of time alone I spend a lot of time like just me and my partner um I have to like really force myself to connect with people like even my close friends like I have people who are so incredibly close to me my best friend I just went and saw her in Vancouver but we text like once a month like we are not talking regularly (laughs) and she is like the most dear friend that I have in the world um And I think that's just like partly who I am. Like I don't need constant um, connection with people who are close to me to know that they're close to me. And I think a lot of them feel the same. I don't like going to events. I don't like going to parties. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's just, yeah, like I would much rather just like be home than go to an event or hang out with someone just for the sake of doing something. Like I don't need to say that I did something in order to be like, I had a great week. Like my great work week is like being home and cleaning my house and like going for a nice run. Like that's <laughs> 10 out of 10 for me. <laughs> and and when you have that great week and, and it's, it's uh, winding down, when you look, on, look back on, on the week, um, like, how do you feel about it? Do you like feel accomplished? Do you feel like just peaceful about it? Yeah, I think there's a lot of, peaceful thoughts a lot of feelings like things were calm um I think because my work is really demanding um I like to have calm in my personal life (laughs) so like I started counseling recently and one of the things that we've been doing is um a reflection journal and so every day I write down my highlight of the day something I'm grateful for and how I work towards a better version of myself and oftentimes like my highlight of the day is like I watched a really great show or like Dan made me such a good lunch today or I went for a run and like those are the things that I really enjoy and are my highlights (laughs) (laughs) um 
And it's just nice to be able to like, because at, at this like season of my life, work is very, very busy. And so to have like small joys in my personal life, like feels like a win. And I really just like cherish those like little, <laughs> little things. <laughs> You know, I got to tell you something um, like when I when I was a lot younger um, and I, I wonder if you've experienced this, too. Um, when I was a lot younger, there was like this some sort of uh, like tension between like me and people around me over uh, like whether or not I had enough friends or something like this. Mm -hmm. And it was really strange because um, I would have I would be with other kids all day at school and after being all day at school I went to school with like in my grade maybe like 800 to a thousand other kids like it was a <laughs> huge a school <laughs> like the school itself was like about 4,000 kids in, in the high school wow. and um I I really liked like one-on-one -on -one conversations with people I liked um like if I had a boyfriend at the time, I was fine with just like the boyfriend and like two to their friends. Like <laughs> that that met every need that I had. Um, yeah. And uh, but like there was this like weird tension over like like whether or not I had friends, whether or not I had enough friends. Like I I like um, I was the age where all of your party invitations would be in Instagram DMs, and so like mm. the number of invites that you got it meant like. I don't know, like people wanted you and, and something like that, which was just like this weird way of um, like proving that I was like relevant or something or that, that I yeah. was nice enough for people that wanted to, to hang out with me. Um, and so I just I wanted to know as then that, that even like moved into, into college, like um, uh, there was more tension over like, what kind of friends that I had, like whether that they were mine or whether I met them through other people. Like it was this whole, whole thing. And then eventually I graduated and I realized like none of that even matters at all. And now nope. I have like, <laughs> like four friends and I'm totally happy. Um, yeah. Outside of like the whole online webflow world. Um, but yeah. like, <laughs> have you ever experienced um, like any weird tension over not being yeah. like the biggest butterfly is social butterfly <laughs> oh definitely and I really like appreciate that story and like thank you for sharing that because I feel a lot of the same way I think in high school like my school was very small I graduated with 62 people in my class and so mm. when you weren't included in something like you knew about it <laughs> um and so if there was like um a party that you were invited to or, or things like that and like in high school I think a lot of things because our class was so small were very inclusive like a lot of parties like everyone would just be invited to and like stuff mm -hmm. like that so and I had like a really good social experience in high school but once we all graduated it became like noticeable that a lot of like the girls that I was friends with in high school um would would get together and like sometimes I would be invited sometimes I wouldn't and I realized that like I liked those things like I wasn't like you realize like once you graduate that you don't have a ton in common with, with people like <laughs> other than like the proximity of being in high school and like I have some really wonderful friends from high school but um yeah I think like once I 
graduated and like started doing things on my own and I moved away, like um, I would notice when that kind of previous friend group would like hang out and post photos and I wasn't there or, or things like that. And even in university, um, like in university, I, I had a few close friends like in school, but like I was very focused on school and like I talk regularly, like I have a really wonderful friend uh from university I was a bridesmaid at her wedding like we're we're so close again we text like infrequently but (laughs) like she's like one of my best friends um but in university like I didn't really like it like art school was not the university experience that I was seeing my peers have which was very much like parties and um like huge gatherings and like super social and Um, that was just like not my experience and so yeah it was like it felt a little bit left out of that not like specific instances but just general period where I saw a lot of friends at very large universities partying and like being super social and I would I went to visit a friend actually at like their homecoming which was like a big like party weekend and everything else like that and like it was really fun but I was like this is so different than what I enjoy (laughs) and I realized I was like this is really overwhelming uh and I'm I'm glad that I'm at art school uh and that was kind of like formative as well to realize that like I don't need to enjoy those big parties and big experiences to like still like who I am and I think like that tension at the beginning was like oh am I like weird or different because like I'm not having those experiences and I'm Mm. not doing those things and not enjoying them but as I got older I realized that like I like how I spend my time (laughs) and I don't need to feel bad because like how I spend my time is different than how other people want to spend it and Mm -hmm. like it's okay to just have a few really good friends like how lucky are you if you have two or three really wonderful friends um, that you can talk to when you need to and like that to me feels really really special and I'm not like craving a massive <laughs> friend group or parties like it's just it's not who I am uh, yeah which is so funny because I remember as a kid my mom hated going to parties like whenever my dad would have work things that he had to go to like my mom um like often would go or like would sometimes not go <laughs> and and like just didn't want to be in crowds and as I've grown up I've become like much more like that um and I understand that perspective now <laughs> but you didn't when you were when you were younger yeah I think when you're young you're just like you want to fit in like everybody wants to be same same when you're 14 uh because like you see someone who's popular and how they act you want to act I remember one time we had tickets to go see Cirque du Soleil and um, we went and my mom, like, it was like really, really busy. And my mom was just like, I could tell that she just like did not like being in this crowd. And I remember thinking, Mm. but we're going to see Cirque du Soleil. And now as an adult, I'm like 100%, I would act the same. (laughs) Like I would not want to be going uh, to this like very large festival ground and and seeing all those people. And yeah, so. (laughs) I understand it now as an adult. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be social. <laughs> That's really interesting um, that uh, th- there was a difference between uh, when you were a kid versus now. Do you think you know what the difference was or, or were you just kind of like young and oblivious to the world and like a 
10 year old. <laughs> yeah, I think I was just like young and oblivious to the world. And um, just I saw like when you're you're little, you see how people act and receive positive feedback. And so I would see people in my class who like were popular and they were really social. And so I was like, oh, that's just like, what is good? Um, and then as an adult, I realized that like, I did not enjoy those social situations and it like, that was okay. Like <laughs> I didn't have to be putting myself in those, in those spots. Like that was a really, um, that was something that became more evident, especially in university, like going to school in Toronto, where, um, a lot of social activity is like going up to bars and, um, going to restaurants and like going to house parties and yeah. stuff like that and I just like did not enjoy like I would so much rather just like stay home and watch tv then or like do schoolwork than go um to a bar I would also just get really nervous that was probably <laughs> part of that what were you nervous about like what what came to mind for you um I think just like social anxiety in general like um I don't know, just like meet, meeting people, which is so funny because I often meet people and like I have really great interactions with people when I do meet them. And like, I think externally maybe seem like a very outgoing like person who is great at social events. And that's because I'm like fine with public speaking and like I can meet people and that's all well and fine, but I would just like rather be home unless it's like something really fun. <laughs> like, uh, like, like this but we're talking one-on-one -on -one and like that's really nice and um yeah I don't know do you like big events is that like something that has has been an experience for you I think so like um I don't know my uh my boyfriend was to like stay home all the time he'd be happy with like his his books and his video games and his workout equipment like that his little trifecta <laughs> inviting one of his friends over at a time to, to just hang out um and then and then with me like uh throughout covid it was like really hard because i was like i want to go do something i want to like leave there the apartment I wanna... yeah and um i don't know but uh i i am definitely one of those people that like uh when when t sometimes when plans get canceled uh i don't mind it <laughs> No, definitely. I, I am, um, I'm like that too. I will say like the one, the one like big event that I'm so excited for and like will 100% go to, I really want to go to no code comp next year. Really? Um, yeah. Like I, I am so excited for that. And I know I'm just going to like have to lie down at the end of every day and like not talk to anyone, <laughs> but I like really like that is a big event that I am looking forward to. So like, I guess in like the, the grand scheme of things, I know you said that um, there was a, a time period where you were like, hey, like, maybe the things that I enjoy aren't like everybody's experience, but uh, that's what I like and they can suck it. I don't know. Like, what I, <laughs> like just, I don't know. They can just go live their, their own life that they like that I wouldn't force them to live my life. Um, but like, like when it comes to like the friendship thing for you, um and, and like the the social part for you was there anything that that happened that was kind of like the tipping point or kind of did it just happen a little bit more 
just small things over time. You, you yeah. understand what I'm trying to say? I think so. Yeah. I think like that evolution from like having lots of friendships in high school that are like proximity based and feel close at the time, like they kind of naturally disperse as you grow up and like move somewhere different and, and start doing things that are different. Um, and I think that's kind of natural and probably like something a lot of people experience, like <laughs> as they grow up, like those, those friendships that were quite close at one time kind of fade and the the connections that I had that like have been very long lasting are with people who like really share my values we just like click and get along and like we share an outlook on life that's really um nice to like have in common with someone and so yeah I think it was just like over time um I'm also not great at like reaching out to people <laughs> if I could like self-identify any friendship flaw that I have in myself it would be um not putting in a lot of effort to like initiate events or like things mm. like that and so um I oftentimes like like to do things with my friends but like am not always the best at like initiating those and so that's something I'm trying to work on <laughs> about like the the friendships that I really value like making sure that I am putting effort into them and like showing someone that I appreciate them a lot but that's kind of part of it too is like for a long time when I was working like kind of starting my career and then like going freelance like that was my focus my focus mm-hmm. was like work and my partner and my life and riding a bike and training and I did not really have time or energy to focus on like, do I want to have a party? <laughs> <laughs> and so like that was, it just kind of like naturally became something where I am turning 28 next week and realized like I have a very few close friends that just like happened organically over time and I'm totally fine with it. Um but yeah, it was not like a single instance where I was like, oh, I should make more friends or like I don't talk to anyone anymore was just like okay this is kind of how it is yeah interesting and and I wanted to also talk to you about about biking um (laughs) when when you say biking it's not like um oh I'm going to the gym and I'm gonna get on the exercise bike for like 20 minutes and then go do something else like for you it's like a big part of your life I'm guessing (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, it's a big part of my life. It has been a big part of my life probably for like the last almost 10 years. Wow. Um, which is really fun. Like, I don't think there's anything more fun in life than, than cycling. (laughs) Like there's like the joy and freedom of like being on a highway, like doing a really fast descent and like pushing yourself beyond where you thought you could is like a very fun thing. And I really love that, but it was like, it was very much something that came about partially because of my partner and also like as an adult, like in high school, I was not athletic. Like um, growing up, I did not play sports. I played like volleyball in high school, but that was kind of like everybody did that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I played field hockey for one year, I think like one season. Um, Like I was not athletic. And I remember we had a gym teacher in high school and she said, for some of you, this is going to be like the peak of your athleticism. And for others of you, 
that peak is still ahead and like be excited for that. And I didn't really like understand that at the time. <laughs> at the time I was like, I hate running. I am not athletic. I'm just not good at sports. I'm not fit. Um, and then when I started getting more into cycling, I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> like, this is like a key part of, of my life now. And when you're, I can't even imagine biking on a highway. Like, that sounds like <laughs> so scary and so many things to face into you. I can only imagine that, like, in those moments, um, you, you really just have to be present. You can't have all of these things going on in the back of your mind. There's just oh, too definitely. much processing power. Yeah. Like, um, my partner and I talk a lot about experiencing the world at, a different rate of frames per second. Like when you're thinking about a camera and how a camera captures things, um, the frames per second, like things just come at you faster when you're on a bike and when you're like to some degree running, but like more so cycling. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, we're riding through an intersection. It's the evening time. There's low light. So it's like you are having to be conscious of like the fact that it's low light. People can't see you as well. Um, there's like sunshine coming directly into like a driver's eyes. You're going through an intersection, you're going 30 kilometers an hour. You have to like be really aware of what's around you. And it's a really nice break to be so involved in something that your mind is like 100% occupied <laughs> that you can't be thinking about, um, life stress. And, mm. um, like I experienced a really stressful time. Um, the first few months that I was freelancing, was it then? Um, yeah, it was like, I had just gone freelance and then we had lots of stressful life events happen all at once. Um, and I was still trying to train and like be fast on a bike. And I remember like actually having a panic attack on the bike because like, I was so, you have to be so occupied by like, where you are physically and like paying attention on the bike. And I had all these life stresses at the same time. And it was just like, it was too much. It was like, I got to go home. Like I can't be present on my bike right now. And then like also be thinking about these things. And I'm not at a point where I can like let go of those things in order to focus on the bike. Um, but yeah, generally it's just a nice escape and very fun. <laughs> Are you comfortable talking about like that that six month transition between going from your your designer role that you'd been in for about three years, I think, and yeah. then moving into freelance? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot. What do you want to know? <laughs> we have so much time. You can go into wherever we have you so want. much but time. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe I'll start about like, I don't know. I feel like we could talk about biking more too. There's so much. There's so yeah, much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll talk about like why I went freelance and kind of like how that came about. Um, cause I think that's kind of interesting. Um, so I had been working at a studio for three years. I started working at that studio right out of university. So I graduated and immediately started with them two days a week. I, at the same time, was also working at another small studio. And so, like, the first summer after graduation, I was working at two small design studios. And then the end of the summer came, and both of them ended up actually asking if I wanted to work full-time 
both of them. (laughs) Um, And so, and like full time, like four days a week, like it was a contractor Mm. position. I was always on contract. I was never an employee. Um, But so that was kind of like a tough decision. And so I ended up working with one studio kind of continually for three years. And it was just like, so wonderful. Mm. Um, Like I had an amazing creative director. She is so talented and so patient. And I think about the first three months of me as a professional designer and how useless I was. Um, (laughs) Like, I remember like one of my first design things that I did. um, I'm pretty sure she just redesigned the entire thing. She was like, no, this is not gonna, this is not gonna work. Um, So I'm like, incredibly thankful for the investment that they made with their time in me to like, helped me flourish as a designer um and kind of three years had passed I had a really wonderful experience there and I've been kind of thinking about like you know I've been here for three years what's my next step um I started kind of putting together a portfolio knowing that like maybe I wanted to start doing something different um and uh I was supposed to take a three-week holiday to St. George Utah um interesting to like go biking like I had <laughs> I had done this like once before like in my second year um as a designer and like gone to California for three weeks and just rode my bike and it was an amazing reset and I felt like I was a better designer when I came back from that break and so I had planned mm-hmm. this other break because I was feeling very overwhelmed I had been like crying lots like it was very stressful um and the week that we were supposed to leave for that trip um COVID happened <laughs> And the border closed. And so it was like this really pivotal time when like I was feeling burnt out at work. I was supposed to go on this trip. The trip didn't happen. Now the world is shut down. Um, reevaluating what I want to do with work, um, how I want to shape my career, all of that. Um, and so I took a little bit of time off of work because like I had been like we had been rushing to like get things in before I was supposed to leave on my trip. And then I was like, oops, not going. Like, do you want me to work? <laughs> like, <laughs> what do I do now? Um, so anyways, I, in that time, like put together a portfolio because I had a feeling that like work was going to slow down. So I like put together my portfolio. Um, I had a reference for like some small freelance projects. My boss at the time actually like, referred a project to me. Um, another designer that I was working with had a project that she was like, oh, you can probably help with this. And so like in those couple of first few months of COVID, like I was still doing work at the studio, um, but I was also starting to take on freelance work. Mm-hmm. Um, when my kind of like three-year mark at the studio um, came to be, and we had like a review, and we were talking about like the future and all of the things like that. Um, it just became clear that like, this was a good time for me to go try something on my own. And I was ready to push myself beyond a point where like, I had only ever been a professional designer, like in this environment um, with this team. And I was like, if I want to find out who I'm going to be as a professional designer, like I need to try this on my own for a little bit and not, um, and like just develop my own style and and kind of like put that work in on my own and so made the choice to um go like fully independent and freelance and that was hard <laughs> it's yeah. an understatement like um it was very scary to like make that leap 
um, to just say like, you know what, I'm just going to like believe in myself for a year <laughs> and see if A, I enjoy this, B, can I make an income at it? Um, and had some, like I had savings. I knew that like I had these freelance jobs that were going well already. Um, I was confident that like, I know how to design a website. I know how to build a website. Like I knew that I could deliver um, like tangible outcomes for clients. It was just like, how am I going to find them? (laughs) How are they going to find me? Like, how is this going to work? And I was really lucky to make some like really good connections the first few months that I was freelancing um, that I just like also told everyone that I was freelancing. And so some other designers that I knew in the city, if they had a project that like they couldn't take on, it was low budget or something like that. Be like, Oh, this person, Grace just started freelancing. Like you should reach out to her. And so I'm like incredibly thankful that I had like a lot of people rooting for me, not just like close friends, but like kind of acquaintances really. Um, And it just like, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of stress, but um, eventually got to a point where um, I had too much work <laughs> and I was like starting to say no to things. And I was like, okay, I can do this. Like I, I, I can do this on my own. Skipping over a lot. <laughs> Were a lot of your, um, like, I, I'm guessing the conversations that you had with your, your team at, at your first design studio, um, those conversations trying to like decide, well, okay, where, how am I going to grow? What's going to happen next? Like, should I be here another three years? Like all, all of those conversations, I'm guessing that your, your openness with talking about it with them is probably different than your conversations with like your parents or your partner. Um, so when, when you had like these more private conversations with, with your, your family, um, do you remember certain things that stuck out that you you didn't discuss with with your your team? D- does that does that make sense? Like like yeah, I I, I remember differences between my team versus my family when I was making that decision. So um, just curious about how that was how that was for you. Yeah, gosh, um, yeah, there was definitely like different conversations that were happening with that team and then with my family and with my partner and, and all of that. And, um, I think what it came down to was just that, like, I needed to find out who I was without the influence of, of anyone else, um, in a professional capacity. And, and so I like communicated that in a team and like, obviously there's different motivations for an employer trying to like keep someone on their team versus there is like in my motivation to be independent and um, try something on my own. And so, um, yeah, there was like lots of different kind of like personal reasons for wanting to, to make that change. And like, I talked about those with my family and they were like, yep, you've obviously thought about this a lot. Like we're going to be 100% behind you. Like you can do this. Um, I actually had a really great example. My sister-in-law, um, she had her own business for a few years. She's also a designer, but a service designer. And so she had gone on her own 
Um, and that was just like a really good example for me. And <laughs> like <laughs> her mom is an independent graphic designer as well. Like she had her own studio. I was really fortunate to see an example, like, especially in my city, I met a lot of women who either owned their own studio were independent designers or like were creative leads at big agencies. Mm. And when I was first starting my career, I had like reached out to a lot of these women and they, I cannot believe how gracious they were with their time. Like, I'm sure you seem like the person who also did this was like, Hey, can you review my portfolio? (laughs) (laughs) And so like a lot of, I just like, I had really good examples of women in my community who were independent and obviously like my bosses at the time, like they had a successful business as two women. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, I can do this. There's other people doing this. Why can't I do this? I just need to give myself a chance. Um, And I think maybe like underlying all of that was the motivation that both creatively I wanted to be free, but I also wanted to financially um, give myself as, as best of chance I could to like build a future for myself. And at that point in time, I started to see like how much people were charging for (laughs) freelance Webflow development. And I was like, I've been doing this, like I've been building websites on Webflow for three years at that point. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can probably financially make more money for myself being independent than I can working at any agency. And so there was that motivation as well that, um, I wanted to be in control of my financial future and like my biggest, (laughs) my biggest motivation in life right now is like, I want to be a mom more than anything else. Like not at this exact moment, but I knew Mm -hmm. that if I wanted to like build a future for my family and have that be in a, in a way that I felt really comfortable and confident about, there needs to be a financial aspect to that of me funding my life and yeah uh, so that was like a big motivating factor was like if I want to have the kind of life that I want I need to do that for myself Mm. um and so that was like creative but also financial and then like trying to make that work (laughs) is there an aspect to um the life goal that you have in not having to have this long commute where you have to be somewhere outside of your your family that's a big factor for you yeah definitely I think that's like that was a huge part of it about thinking about where do I see the future of my career like how do I want to work and so um, I saw this really nice opportunity of like being freelance and being able to like be home and I see mm-hmm. myself um being an independent designer or having a small team probably for the rest of my working life. I don't know. Obviously like things change, but like I want to be working as a designer for a long time. And so to be able to do that and do that from home and when I'm in a position to start a family, to be able to have that flexibility where I'm in control of my time and I don't have to go anywhere. I can be home with my partner in my house. Like, that to me is super important and like was less of a factor I think when I first started freelancing but the more time that I've spent on my own the more I realized like I wouldn't give this up for Mm. pretty much anything (laughs) I think it's kind of crazy because um like before everything went down in, in 2019 um like I was I was actually on an internship like in person in New York in 
that ended February of 2019, which is like just a crazy part of history to to yeah. be in. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's kind of crazy that nobody ever really considered this as an option for just like your everyday life. Like I remember people had this way of looking at people that um, worked from home, like, like it wasn't as serious or something like that. At least a lot of the people that I knew, they they felt that way. Like there was, um, I don't know if you ever heard of like Southern living at home or, Mm -hmm. or all of these things. Like it was, it, it, if you wanted to have like a like a serious career, you had to like be in an office that was gray, and that had like weird lighting and sparse windows, and like that—that's the only way that you could take care of yourself. But now, that that whole facade has just been like taken away, and it, it's like a horrible reason why, but it's like a a beautiful outcome of like, hey, like. We don't all have to live this way, wearing like these really uncomfortable clothes in places <laughs> that are super refrigerated all the time for no reason. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, no, it's like, I love it. And like, that's obviously my personality type of like liking to be home. I know some people who they thrive in an office, both like the social interaction and also being away from the distractions of their home life. Like, not everyone is um, in a position to have a dedicated workspace and like to have the focus um, of being at home, but I'm in a spot where I can do that and I really love it. And I just like, it's, it's really nice. (laughs) Like I don't think um, my very first job um, when I was a summer student, like my first design job, I was a summer student for the city of Calgary um, in their municipal government creative services department. And so it was like the creative service department would create any kind of graphic or visual material for like any of the other city departments. And that office was like, I remember thinking at the time, I was like, this is the nicest place that I will ever work. Like the nicest physical, it was a beautiful historic building. It was like corporate office 101. Like it was like really beautiful, but it was like very corporate, um, but creative still, like it was a creative services department. So Um, but I just think like, I started in this like beautiful office. I then worked in like a historic building, um, downtown in my city that was like also very fun and beautiful. And then now I work at home (laughs) and it was just like this, like progression. Um, but yeah, it was fun. You know, the, the thing that you said about, um, about, uh, being a parent, um, I, I was talking with, um, my my last guest uh, about this and when she found out that she was pregnant um she remembered feeling so scared about that because she felt like like her career was over like there's no mm-hmm. way that she could manage everything um and then she told me later on that like you kind of have to cross that bridge when you get there and she had all of these assumptions about her life and now she's like even more successful than she was at the time um mm-hmm. and it reminded me of um a conversation i had uh with my boyfriend and uh um he he's from eastern europe so like uh for for him 
the the age when when women have kids in his mind is a lot younger than the age yeah. that I have in my mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like like his his mother uh, had kids like younger than, than me. Um, but we were having a conversation about that, and I remember talking to him. I, I said something along the lines of like, um, "My life just started. I'm not ready for it to be over yet." <laughs> and it's just so yeah. crazy that that like I had this thing in my mind. I don't know if somebody taught it to me or it was mm-hmm. something that I just generated that like like your life is like over socially and and um professionally if you decide to go that route and I I don't know where yeah. that really comes from. Yeah, I don't know. Like um it's it's definitely like a narrative that's out there <laughs> that I think because women oftentimes have to sacrifice their career to take time off. Um, there's a very unlevel playing field in terms of career growth. If a woman chooses to take time off to start a family, and especially if you have multiple children, you're out of the workforce. And mm-hmm. so I think that um, like that perspective is starting to shift, but hopefully continues to shift even more that like starting a family is not just a burden on a woman's career. It's, um, should be a shared responsibility amongst both parents. Um, hopefully. And like, um, that's not always the case and, and everyone has different situations, obviously. Um, but it's, yeah, I don't know. I think my hope is that like, I am like, I am more excited for my thirties and forties then I think I was excited for my twenties. Like I <laughs> like, um, I just like, there's so much in the future to look forward to, like being a mom and like watching a human form into like a person with personality. <laughs> like I can't think of anything more fun than that. Like that mm-hmm. to me, I just like, I'm so excited for. Um, and I'm also excited for work. And I think that there's like room to have both and especially in a structure that I'm creating for myself, like that is the goal is that I can have a creative career and be successful at what I do and produce work that um, I'm really proud of and that is really beneficial to my clients and also have a really fulfilling family life. And obviously I'm not a parent yet. I don't know what the cards are for me. Like, I don't even know if that's in the cards, but with like everything in my life, I am the type of person who wants to be like over-prepared for everything. I Mm. will think about things for years before they happen and like make my little plan of how it's going to (laughs) go. And it never turns out the way that you, the way that you plan it to be, but um, it's still fun to play it out and like prepare for things <laughs> it gives um, you like a, a yeah. layer of security a little bit to at least like i don't know write something down of like how you think it might go and then try to prepare for it even if it's usually something totally different yeah it's like i think there is a really fun aspect to planning something out and striving for that and knowing that even if it lands somewhere completely different, it's still going to be great because of all of the work that you put in and like that outcome, like, I don't know what is in the future, (laughs) but I know that like I can set a direction for myself and um, 
if I'm true to my values and true to who that I want to be, like, it's not going to be bad. Like, <laughs> it's going to it's gonna be what I want and, like, what it's supposed to be, like, I think. I don't know. Oh, do you ever, um, like, it, I, I relate to you a lot on the whole, like, planning things ahead of time and then trying to, like, over-prepare and things like that. Yeah. Like, I, I even do that, like, financially like i will if if i'm oh, planning definitely. anything like this this whole like transition for me i'm like literally like hoarding like okay i need enough for rent for a year now i need enough for yeah. groceries for a year like all of that um and i've kind of been like that throughout my whole life um and it's really funny because i sometimes would have like um i thought that um achieving this goal would like unlock this like happiness or it would like solve all my problems and then my life will go in a totally different direction like I thought <laughs> I was gonna be um like I had this dream for myself that I was gonna live in New York I was gonna work at Pentagram in in New York I was gonna live in a little apartment and I was going to like go out to these like nice restaurants all the time and then um I I have this totally different life that I love and it's funny to look back on, on different parts of your life and think like wow like do you think I would really be happy in this kind of like life that I assigned myself at this time where I didn't really understand what all of the options were do you ever look back on like Doctor Strange like the different variants <laughs> of yourself and try to think like compare the happiness that I have now to um, what that life could have been like. Yeah, definitely. I think about that a lot in terms of um, there are so many different paths that I could have taken that would have led to happiness. And I think that like every, at every juncture in your life, every choice that you have, um, it sometimes feels like what you choose is, is like so final. And like, if you choose this thing, it's going to either bring you happiness or despair and like mm. nothing in between. <laughs> and there, I think when I was younger, I had a lot of, and I still do sometimes, like a lot of um, worry about like whether something is the right choice. But I, I truly think like there is no right choice often, like whatever you choose, it's going to be good because of who you are and who you want to be and, and how you act um, and not necessarily like the place that you're in or the school that you choose or the project that you want to take on. Like, um, I think a lot of times when I was younger, I thought of myself, like very much how you were like, I'm going to live in Brooklyn and like, I'm and, like, have this, like I was like, I'm going to, like, I think when I was 18, I was like, I want to go to design school. I want to move to California. I want to like work in tech. Like that's the life that I want to have. Mm. And, um, the life that I have now is not that and it's beautiful and I love it. And I know that like whatever I plan for the future, like that's not going to be how it looks in my mind right now. Cause I can't possibly know what that's going to be. But I know that like if, or I have comfort in the fact that like, if I act how I want to and how I am proud of and the work that I put in, whatever comes in the future will still be good and will still be beautiful, even if it's not that thing that I had wanted for myself five years ago. 
Um, you can never really know, but you can get like small joy from life every day and plan your best <laughs> and like map out and be prepared and like um, be keen and excited about things. But um, yeah, it's like I, you never know. And But you have to pick something because if you mm-hmm. don't act on a choice, like it's going to go away. And like, there will be more obviously, but it's like kind of like that Sylvia Plath um, picking a, a fruit before it withers. Like you just have to pick something and give it your all and not have to worry about whether it's the right choice or not. Like there's, there's, there's so many right choices. Kind of like a paralysis from analysis. Yeah. Like <laughs> a decision-making paralysis. And I often feel that of, like, will this thing, is this thing the right thing? And um, especially when I was younger, I felt that a lot. Like, should I take this this internship or should I go to this school or um, should I date this person or, or things like that? And it's like, there's no, there's no right answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's all going to be, be good because of who you are. Um, and I find comfort in that. Think to bloom to grow where you're planted and not to worry that like things would be better elsewhere i had a, a question in terms of like <laughs> decision making and things like that um i thought that um like choosing a uh a wedding ring for for your your partner is like an incredibly personal decision and yeah. i thought that the way that Dan approached it was <laughs> so interesting and unique because I could totally imagine someone being like li- at the counter be like this is a decision that's so important like what if she hates it what if it's uncomfortable what if it doesn't fit all of that kind of stuff but can you just explain like that story to me a little bit <laughs> yes so my partner, Dan and I are engaged. He asked me to marry him when we were on a beautiful road ride in 2019 or 2020, 2020. Um, and it was wonderful. And he actually didn't even like, he proposed with the idea of a diamond, but we were on a trip and he didn't bring a diamond with him, but he did not propose with a ring um, or a physical diamond present. Um, we had like been talking about getting, like, I, I was asking him to marry me on a weekly basis. So I was like, when are we getting married? Um, <laughs> uh, which I love. Uh, but, um, it was this like very special moment that I think a lot of people in their mind, when they think about like a proposal, it's like on a beach and he has a box and he opens up the box and it's like a ring and you put on the ring and it's like this thing. And Dan knows me better than anyone in the world. And he knows that I did not want that (laughs) and wanted to craft something um, myself that was really special. And so when he asked me to marry him, uh, this was really funny because probably about a year prior, we had gone on a trip together with my family. And it was like the first time Dan had been on an airplane in like a very, very, very long time. Interesting. His mom had given him, um, so eventually like the, the ring or the diamond that he proposed with is a diamond from the ring that his dad proposed to his mom with. And mm. so his mom had that diamond, um, like just saved away <laughs> ready. And she had given it to, to him like some point earlier in our relationship. 
And so it was really funny because this, this flight that we were going to go on, Dan was really um, nervous about it. And so he um, had shown me this diamond that he had. And he was like, my mom gave this to me to propose to you eventually. Not right now, but like I have this and I'm just so scared for this flight. And I just want you to know that like, I have this and it's for us and it's for the future. Um, and just like, know that, that that's there. And it was really funny because he had it in a, like in the box, it was like this diamond and a little container in this box. And he had stored it, not in like our firebox safe or anything like that. He had it in um, the top of our cupboard in a Star Wars collectible Slurpee cup from seven. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was like, if someone's going to break into our house, they're not going to, like, look at this, like, Star Wars Slurpee <laughs> And it was really funny. Um, and anyway, so eventually when he proposed um, with this diamond, I knew immediately what I wanted to do with it. I um, worked with a local jewelry designer to craft this, like, custom engagement ring and wedding band that are... Um, very industrial looking they're not like ornate it's like incredibly sturdy and just like <laughs> tight and I and I love it so much but um it was really special because it was something that like we got to craft together and it wasn't like something from a store it's a piece of history from his life and his mom and um something new that we created together which I think is special that's really beautiful <laughs> And I love that that he knew you well enough to be like, yeah, this isn't how it's going to go. It's not going to go the traditional <laughs> way. Like, she's just, it's not, nope. <laughs> and he's like, Dan is like also very much not a traditional person. Like, um, he, the way that I describe him is like, he knows who he is more than anyone I've ever met in my life. Like, he is the most himself of anyone that I know. And he does not give two craps about what anybody else uh, thinks about him or um, thinks about his life. Like he is just, he is himself. Mm -hmm. um, and so much so in that, in that choice, uh, in like who he is. And I love everything about him. Um, but he is a little bit alternative and that just like wouldn't suit him either to like get down on one knee and, and propose um, like on a beach. Like that's just not who we are. That's not like our story. Like that's not, how our wedding is going to be like <laughs> our our life is like our own choice and it's not um it's it's dictated by what we want to do and not necessarily what's expected of us which I think sometimes causes tension but I like it that's <laughs> <laughs> good yeah so what like be because he is such an important person to you and, and this is like all understanding who you are and, and uh outside of working outside of everything else um, like we so don't talk about work at all I love it <laughs> <laughs> but you, we can totally switch gears if you'd like but like in in your mind you said he's like he's like his own person and, and um, he uh, is true to himself and things like that like before we use like the last 15 minutes to um to talk about like the things you're excited about in your career and then the next steps for you just real quickly um uh what does that mean when you say that like uh he's very true to himself and like um he's alternative and, and unique like 
what do you mean when you when you say that yeah I think he just like doesn't let expectations dictate his choices or or what he does in life um and like that manifests in a lot of different ways and like um kind of like his personal choices for for how he does things he's also like incredibly independent and that has um like so much so that I think he never saw himself in a relationship um Mm -hmm. with a (laughs) like a person long term like he was (laughs) single for like many years before we met um and I think because he was so independent when we met and was like not looking for a relationship, had like accepted that he was probably going to be single and was fine with that. Um, he's a bit older than I am. So like he had like a whole life <laughs> to live. Um, and so when we got together, like him being himself and like not um, bending or being influenced by like what is a common choice it's it's more so like what is the choice that he wants to make has really influenced me in being independent and being confident in my choices and like I think relating back to a lot of things that we talked about like understanding that what I want to focus on and spend my time on should be rooted in a place of my own enjoyment and not what other people expect or is stereotypical or what they want from you and so I think his his confidence and his independence really helped me feel the same um and I I think back to like when we first met and who I am now and like we are both so independent and like could thrive on our own um but together is just so calm because I know who I am and I know my values and I know together um that we're very, very aligned. And so it's just like his, his independence has brought me a lot of confidence um, in knowing that like my choices are my own. I can make decisions for myself um, from a, <laughs> like another perspective, like he got me into cycling and yeah. um, even that, like the confidence that I feel from, from sport is something that like is so important to me. And I am so grateful for that. Um, but that's just like part of it of like being independent and and confident, but together at the same time is just, um, it's very peaceful. (laughs) I like very much cherish our relationship. I think it's really a beautiful thing to not be so dependent on each other, but it's, 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 I think really beautiful that you can be like a whole independent person but being in a relationship with somebody else doesn't mean that you're dependent on them. It's just that you're you're coexisting in this this beautiful way. Definitely. Like I we do we do everything together, but we're also like like he doesn't um come to like my work stuff or like be involved in this aspect of my life. And so I have a lot of independence in like this part of my life and that's really nice to like have that separation but when we're together it's just like it's calm and we know that we're aligned and it's just like it's a really nice place to be (laughs) I I love doing these podcasts especially for such a long time because I think it's like a beautiful time capsule um that people are able to have of uh, this is where I, I was at this moment. This is how I was feeling about all these things. And you might even re-listen to it someday and like 
forget things that you said. And you're like, oh, that's how I was feeling about that at the time. That's so interesting. So um, in addition to like how you're feeling right now, um, I think it'd be cool to listen back on this about things you're excited about for, for the future. And you can talk about career. You could talk about, about anything really of like, at least where you are right now in, in 2022, what you think life might be like in, in a couple of years. Oh man. <laughs> no um, pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Just like, what do you want your life to be? Um, short term or long term? Short term no. or long term. I am like truly just so excited for everything that's ahead like personally and professionally, I think professionally, I want to continue um, evolving my design skills and style and become someone who um, I would want to look up to in a past version of myself. Like (laughs) I really want to push myself creatively to design things that are outside of my comfort zone that really have impact on clients that they feel really proud of. I think the best outcome that I could see for myself would be um, someone who's like in a position of design leadership and that folks really want to work with. um, And also just like, I want to work with nice people. (laughs) Uh, That's like my kind of number one priority right now is like taking on projects that will make me happy and help fulfill me creatively. Um, but I'd also really like to start teaching. Um, and I feel like, I hope this is something I look back on and have acted on in the future, but I like, um, looking back to careers that you thought you would have when you were little, like I always have really admired teachers. And I think being a teacher is one of the most like valuable ways that you can spend your time. And so that's also, I think something professionally I'd really like to do is get into, um, sharing my skills with other people who are developing their own. I don't know what that looks like, but that's something (laughs) that I would also like to start doing. Um, And just personally, there are so many things to look forward to. I hope I get (laughs) to be a mom. That would be amazing. Um, But yeah, I think there's, there's little joys every day that I'm so looking forward to that like, and there's big things along the way that are that are wonderful as well. But it's also just like that steady every day. I love what I'm doing and I want to keep feeling that. And I'm so lucky to feel that now. And I just like want that to be the future. <laughs> in in terms of like uh, somebody who might be like a weird uh, version of you, because like you and I have a, a lot of similarities um, and uh, I'm... I graduated from college like pretty recently. Um, so when I, when I look at you and I look at your, your backstory, I, I listen to the stories and everything like that. Um, even where you are now, you're a person that, that people look up to, not in a way that there's all this pressure put on you or anything like that, but just like the way that, that even just you're, you're doing all of this work and, and putting all this effort in and, and accomplishing even what you've done up to, to now. Um, it's, it's a lot to admire. So even like taking a moment now, (laughs) there's so much more to do in, in life. And, and whenever people give you compliments, um, you're like, oh, but there's so much I want to do. And I don't want people to, I don't want to like feel like complacent or like, like this is where I'm at forever. But, um, yeah, I, I, I admire you so much and it was, it was so cool to talk to you today. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you so much for saying that. That's incredibly sweet. And I really deeply appreciate that. And um, it is like often hard to look back on where you are now and think like the past version of yourself would be so proud of where you are because um, you're so excited for the future. But it's <laughs> it's really lovely to think about that. And I just like, I'm so thankful and grateful for people who are um, part of that story and like are inspired by it or um, want to be internet friends <laughs> um, and all of that. And it just like, it means a lot to me to have connection with other people um, at, at every stage of, of life. The, the way that I, I bookend the podcast is I just reintroduce myself and share people share with people where they can find me or if like at least the things that I check the most um <laughs> and then I, I throw it back to you um but I always feel so awkward ending podcasts because I could like talk with people for like another six hours but I know um, I feel like I could just like have you over in my living room and talk forever. <laughs> I, I would love that I'm sure that a home tour would be very nice <laughs> But um uh but does that does that plan uh sound good for you reintroducing yes. and then saying where you can find me? Okay. Yeah, cool. that sounds good. So so I'll get started and then I'll throw it over to you. So um so hi guys. I'm I'm Emily Giordano. Uh I'm a UX person, uh and uh webflow person and a copywriting person. I'm super into asking you a whole bunch of questions and then trying to figure out um uh what we can take from from that survey in terms of content i think that's really interesting um but yeah so so that that's what i do um if you ever wanted to reach out to be friends if you ever wanted to um do a podcast together or if you have a project and i'm going part-time soon so i'll have more time for freelancing so that's my whole life uh if you ever wanted to find me uh you can email me at emily e-m-i-l-y at greatdesignlead.com greatdesignlead.com is my website Great Design Lead is Twitter, Instagram, any social thing. That's where you can find me. If you can't find it, that means I'm not on that app. Um, <laughs> but uh, but that that's that's pretty much the end. And I'll throw it over to Grace, and then we'll head out of here. Amazing. Yeah, my <laughs> name is Grace Walker. To recap, I had the absolute pleasure of being Emily's guest today <laughs> on the Great Design Lead podcast, and I had so much fun. Um, you can find me online at Grace on Grid on Twitter. That's also my Instagram handle, but I very rarely post there. Um, and I'm on Twitter far too much. So find me there and <laughs> uh, pretty much nowhere else. And my website is gracewalker.ca for, for my freelance portfolio. And hopefully that will be more up to date soon. <laughs> Perfect. If you have any projects, head over there and, and she'll yeah. be able to get, give you a little chat. <laughs> So this has been really fun, and I, the, I always end with an open door of uh, goodbye until next time. So I guess this is just goodbye until next time. Goodbye <laughs> until next time. I hope we get to chat again soon. <laughs>